Well, it's upon us the start of the school year. Over half of West Virginia counties will go back to school this week and the remaining schools will be starting shortly. So we're going to focus the whole show today on the topic of education. Joining me right now is First Lady Kathy Justice. We're going to be talking about the Communities and Schools program and with her is uh, Assistant Superintendent Michelle Blatt from the uh, West Virginia Department of Education. Did I get your title right or are you Deputy Superintendent? No, you got it right. I don't want to demote you or anything. <laughs> it's important we get our facts right, especially with school teachers teacher sitting with me. Uh, communities and schools, this is your big pet project, your initiative as First Lady. Uh, what is it essentially and why is it so important to you? Communities and Schools is just a national organization that we brought to West Virginia through really Greenbrier County. They're the first in the state to have done this and uh, we're just bringing the communities into the schools just like it says. It's a very simple thing. Uh, we're trying to fulfill the needs of the kids, just help them be successful and help them go through school and have a pathway to their future, whether it be college, uh, technical schools, or just be there to help them and be their friends and give them what they need. And we should point out to our viewers across the state, Greenbrier County is your home county. This is where it started. Now we've expanded this, Michelle, into what, 11 counties across West Virginia and uh, I think 59, 59 schools. schools yes. uh, it, it has an uh, impressive success rate uh, on some topics. We'll get to that in a minute, but essentially what are the nuts and bolts of this program? What does it provide? And are these uh, at-risk students we're talking about here? Yes, this is taking care of our most needy students, our at-risk students. And it's actually putting a person in the school that's sole responsibility is to take care of the kids. So it frees up our teachers to do what they need to do in the classrooms and it allows there to be a person there to build relationships with those students and to really make an impact on their lives. The relationships are really the key it, to this it, program. And I think we should talk about some of the aspects because at first blush, a lot of people might think, well, this is a remedial reading program or it's just about academics. What does, and it does touch on if the students need academic help, but, but give us a flavor of all the different services that might be available to a student at risk. Well, there are students, uh, their materialistic needs, even clothing, uh, even dental care, uh, psychological care, counseling that we could refer them to people. Uh, we're just there to help and be the all-service people and bring the people in the community that are these type people that can come in and help us and whether you be your grandparents or what if, if you know they build relationships with them and that's what we want everybody to be involved in and just help them with their needs whether it be physical emotional just a friend to talk to sometimes uh, we're finding children just need someone to sit down and spend five minutes with them and talk to them and that's what we're going to be there for them and every need that they need. And if they need food, that's available to them as well. I mean, yes. there's a lot of things Absolutely. we assume every kid has and they right. don't necessarily have that. Michelle, I mentioned that the success rate in Greenbrier County, which was the first in the state to have this, I, I looked at the website and I was floored to see a 100% graduation rate among the participants. Tell us about some of the other success rates we've seen in that county that we're hoping to expand right. across the state. We've seen um, huge success rates in the amount of students, like I think it's 92% over the course since 2004 that have moved on to the next grade, um, increased academics, increased success after graduation. Um, we're focusing a lot on attendance with our students to get, keep them in school. That's what our site coordinators, the lady that's in the lady and gentlemen that are in the schools do is actually make sure those students are in school. What are the barriers keeping them from school? And so many of our students are in poverty. Yeah. Um, Elaine Wynn, the uh, national president for communities and schools was with us last week. 
And she said, poverty is a barrier, but it's not an excuse. You held a forum recently in Huntington, uh, communities and schools where teachers and educators and superintendents from around the state came. Uh, what was that like? Uh, and do you ever get to talk to the students directly? I know you read in schools and mm -hmm. stuff. And what has this program meant to the students? Oh, it's been wonderful. We visited nine of the 11 counties uh, this past spring. We're going back to the two additional counties this fall, Hardy and Pendleton, that we didn't go to. We go to the uh, schools, we eat lunch with the children in the lunch rooms, we talk to them one-on-one, -on -one. we see their needs, they love to talk to you, tell them what's going on. We've experienced greenhouses where they grow their own vegetables for their lunch program, and that's great. Uh, we've uh, hydroponics where they're growing tilapia fish and uh, plants, and they're just, these are creative, great minds of children that we want to help them be successful. Well, this is a wonderful program. You can read a lot about it on the Department of Education website. Just Google the West Virginia Department of Education and put communities and schools there and it'll pop up. And I was, I was really amazed at the success rate so far. So let's hope it goes on uh, to additional counties beyond the 11 it's currently in. We want to thank First Lady Kathy Justice and Assistant Superintendent Michelle Blatt for joining us today on Inside West Virginia Politics. Great to see you ladies. We are continuing our discussion on education with the first of school so close and of course we have to bring in Dr. Stephen Payne, State Superintendent of Schools here in West Virginia. Thank you so much for being here with us. Thank you for asking. You know, does it ever get old that first day of school feeling? No, it doesn't, <laughs> especially for our kids and uh, the children that walk into that classroom. They are excited beyond belief right now. They are ready to come back to school and our teachers are so welcoming of them. And uh, it's just, it's, I remember those days a long, long time ago, and it's, it's just a great time of the year. Now I know the teachers actually put in a lot of work over the summer um, through training and getting their classrooms ready. A lot of people assume that teachers have the summer off, but that's not really the case. Oh no, uh, not at all. Uh, most teachers work a 200-day contract, but in the summertime they're learning, as you said, professionally, uh, preparing themselves with content knowledge, new teaching strategies, and very, very important because we have a lot of challenges that face us in public education today. Uh, we have kids that are coming from some disadvantaged backgrounds. That number is escalating right now. We call them trauma-affected kids. 52% of our kids in West Virginia have gone through, by definition, some kind of a traumatic experience that potentially can affect the way that they learn. So uh, not only are we learning how to teach math, uh, at, at higher levels with better, with more focused strategies. Uh, but we're also uh, spending a lot of time talking about those needs of our kids as well, the uh, trauma, or what we call social, emotional, mental health needs. Absolutely, and uh, staying in the same vein of these teachers, obviously there's reported shortages across West Virginia right now. Is, is that normal, is that common? It's been common for a good period of time, but it's increasing in the past few years. Uh, there has always been a shortage of teachers in our eastern panhandle in uh, Morgan, Berkeley, and Jefferson counties, and some of the counties up there, I don't mean to leave any of them out, but uh, that's due to uh, surrounding states and salary levels and competition and that kind of thing. But generally in West Virginia, uh, I'll use mathematics once again as, a, as an example. Algebra 1 classrooms, we have 25% of our classrooms that are taught by non-certified teachers, non-certified math teachers, I should say. They might, be, they might be certified teachers, but in another content area. Also, 25% of our geometry classrooms are taught by non-certified teachers, and so that's really, really problematic. And you mentioned 
summer learning for teachers, we are working hard to get those teachers who are willing to tackle that assignment, even though they might not have had the math content, we are doing our best to give them a crash course on the kind of content that they need to teach those kids in those subjects. Obviously, the Department of Education is working on quite a few things. Uh, tell me some of the things that you guys are focusing on going in, into this next school year. Well, and, and I'll continue to talk about math as a theme. We have a, we have a theme, uh, a program, an initiative that we partner with all 55 of our districts, and it's called Math for Life. And we've chose that because math is our weakest area of student achievement. It has been for the past 30 years, and it's time to try to do something about it. So we are really intently focused on mathematics. Uh, there was a provision in House Bill 206 that was that provided for an incentive for teachers of mathematics to try to attract and retain teachers. You know, let's try it. Let's see what we can do. But we also have shortages in uh, special education, uh, science, uh, and, and other content areas throughout the state as well. So it's a trend that is growing. Um, if you look at colleges and universities and the numbers of teacher candidates that they are educating, uh, their numbers are going down. And so it's, it's, it's a systemic problem. It's not just showing up in our classrooms in the state. So, so other states are dealing with this as well. It's not just a West Virginia problem. Because a lot of times we do have West Virginia problems that other states don't necessarily see. We do. And uh, some states have problems with shortages more so than us, uh, some less. And so we're probably uh, typical of a lot of states throughout the country. All right, excellent. Well, we're going to keep you around. We have plenty more to talk about. You mentioned House Bill 206. We're going to be discussing that at length coming up next, but for right now, we're going to take a quick break, so just stick with us. Inside West Virginia Politics is brought to you by AARP West Virginia, your ally for real possibilities in the Mountain State. Welcome back to Inside West Virginia Politics. We are here at the Governor's Mansion continuing our discussion on education and we're going to continue talking to Dr. Stephen Payne. Thank you again so much for being here. Thank you. So let's move on and talk a little bit about House Bill 206. It was a big year for education here in West Virginia. What are some positives that you see in this bill? Yeah, it was a, it was a big year for education. It was a good year and generally House Bill 206 I think is a very good bill. Uh, one aspect that I'm really excited about is the support that we will have for kids that have social emotional mental health needs. Research is very clear that kids that bring those types of external situations to school need some support. I mean they need a caring adult, they need mentoring, they need uh, programs that are targeted uh, specifically to help them adjust and adapt uh, with those social emotional mental health issues and we know clearly before they can learn academically at very high levels, we need to take care of those needs. I don't mean to say that has to be done first, but it has to be done simultaneously as we teach kids uh, high, high quality content in math, English language, arts, reading, and so forth. Obviously, there's a lot in that bill about wraparound services and help for those children. There's also some other funding as well, and education is something that many people have cried out, has been underfunded for a while. How much does this bill help the public schools here in West Virginia? You know, and thank goodness our West Virginia economy is doing really well right now, and so we're appreciative to the governor and the legislature for appropriating, uh, uh, for the governor putting money in his budget, and for the legislature to appropriate uh, those dollars. A hundred, one hundred seventy million dollars in additional funding came through with related to House Bill 
2006. And so, as I mentioned before, $30.5 million to serve the children that have these social, emotional, mental health needs. Uh, there's funding for small counties that typically uh, have uh, not done nearly as well because of a lower tax base or whatever it might be, but they struggle financially, so there's money for them. Um, uh, other aspects of funding are, are uh, there, there's, a, there's more local flexibility for districts in terms of how they use their monies. Uh, that was something that was done in House Bill 206. So we're really pleased with the uh, levels of funding. Also would say that we're very pleased with uh, one of the programs that we're really excited about. It's called Communities and Schools. It's an initiative of the First Lady. I believe you might talk to her a little <laughs> bit about that. But uh, it's a great program. It's one of those examples of social, emotional, mental health needs. And the governor of the legislature provided funding for that program. We were able to expand to up to 10 counties, maybe 11. I'm not exactly sure, but I'm sure you'll find out soon, like I said. Uh, and also, there's a program, and, and, and it, it is intended to provide opportunities for adults to retrain. Maybe they have had some issues with um, their reco in recovery of some sort for, for whatever. Uh, it brings them back, gives them the opportunity to be retrained, and it's an opportunity for others. So it's an initiative that comes out of the governor's office, um, and, and we participate in that uh, very proudly, and, and so that's additional funding that has come forward. So those are a lot of positives that came out of this past uh, legislation, but obviously there were a lot of negatives, and a lot of teachers fought hard against this education bill. Their biggest concern was the charter schools. Your overall thoughts on the possibility of charter schools coming to the Mountain State? Well, I don't know. I, I, I would rather focus on those things that are going to give us student achievement gains. And right now, the, the verdict is out on charter schools. They certainly are not the answer to turning around education in West Virginia. But if we want to try some just to see what the impact is, the legislature provided for three charter schools in the next couple of years. We'll see where it goes. But I'm really more excited about the rest of the bill because it does have the potential to positively, through research, impact all of our kids, all of our children in, in our great state. Excellent. Well, should be a great school year coming up. So I'm looking forward to it. Dr. Stephen Payne, thank you so much for being here with us. Thank you very much. Joining me right now is Matt Cox. He's a history teacher at Capitol High School here in Charleston. Great to have you on the program. Thank you for having me. And I've got to introduce you as the 2018 West Virginia High School Teacher of the Year. It's the Gilder Lehrman Institute of American History. Right, it's actually 2019. 2019. Right. Hey, I learned my lesson pretty good, though. I got Gilder Lehrman Institute. I'm pretty good with dates. <laughs> All right, well, congratulations on winning um, History Teacher of the Year. Uh, how important is that, and, and what's the significance of it? You know, I'm very humbled to even be nominated for the award. Uh, there were so many great history teachers, and I'm fairly early in my career, young in my career, and to, to even be mentioned with some of the great history teachers in West Virginia is, is an honor. Um, and so I, I am very appreciative of those that nominated me and selected me for my work. Um, and I, it's, it's kind of a, a, um, a strange thing that the person that inspired me to go into history was actually the first Gilder Lehrman Institute of American History's West Virginia History Teacher of the Year. No kidding. Yeah, his name's uh, Woody Wilson, and he retired from Parkersburg High School. 
and so he was the, the first state recipient, and here I am 15 years later, the recipient. Too. You know, I think all of us have a special teacher. In, in mine, I remember, my, she was my fourth grade teacher, Eunice Ankerson at St. Mary's Catholic School in Elm Grove, Wisconsin. I remember her to this day. Why is it that, that there's always that one teacher that engages us all in different ways? And I'm sure as a teacher, you try to touch students' lives um, in ways that you probably never imagined. You know, with education, it's a unique career because when you take family and members of the clergy out of the picture and you think of someone that has touched and formed your life, a lot of the that's left is educators. And that's why I entered the career is I wanted to, to help someone like someone helped me. Yeah. Uh, kind of pass it along. Exactly. Pay it forward. Um, History is my favorite subject. No surprise as a news reporter. I mean, I love history and political science and, and everything. And, and sometimes you get the students in the class go, why do we have to study this thing that happened in the, you know, 1852? Why is history so important? History is dynamic. It's personal. It's not just about the leaders making decisions. It's about uh, the day-to-day -day interactions that we have. Yeah. Um, and if I can make something that happened 200 years ago relevant to people today, then I've done my job. If they can make the connections and kind of see that there are similarities to what happened in the past and what's happening now, then that that's my, my entire goal with teaching the subject. Yeah, I recently, I loved telling everybody about where I was and what I was doing on the 50th anniversary of the, new, the moon landing, because believe it or not, I'm 60 years old, I was 10 years old at the time, and those are neat moments in history, and then to relive them 50 years later, and we realize those are benchmarks. A lot of the gear that we use in television, for example, came out of the NASA space program, right. our cell phones and other things, and so the technology and the computers, and, and so uh, history is important because uh, we didn't always have these things, and there was a seminal event that caused us to have them now, so Right. Um, anyway, are you excited about the school year? What have you been doing all summer to prepare? I, I've had an extremely busy summer. Um, every summer I try to, to do something that's going to better myself uh, in the classroom for the upcoming year. So I've gone to a, a couple trainings uh, over the summer, uh, have uh, kind of gone into the new textbooks that social studies is getting this year. Uh, but the majority of my summer has been uh, not preparing for school, but preparing to become a dad. Yeah, well, you and I talked about this. You're, you're going to be a father for the first time in a couple of months. Right. How do you suppose that's going to change your perspective as a school teacher now that you're going to have a stakeholder that will eventually come up and go through the school system? I tell you, it, even though my son isn't here yet, it has already changed how I do things in the classroom. Uh, when we found out that we were expecting, uh, there were some things that typically would have uh, bothered me that the kids or even other teachers did. And you know, when you've got a little one on the way, those things don't bother you anymore. But it's also motivated me to be the kind of teacher that I would want my son to have. And so it, it, it has made me, I think, a, a more well-rounded educator. Well, we wish you the best, not only uh, in the school year that's uh, starting this week, but congratulations on the birth of your son coming in a couple Thank of you. months. Thank you. We're excited to meet him. I bet. I, my kids, they grew up fast. There's my advice. My kids are 27 and 24. I did just like happen in a minute. Anyway, thanks for joining us. Matt Cox is a history teacher, history teacher of the year in West Virginia for 2019. He's at Capitol High School here in Charleston. Good to have you on the program. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Inside West Virginia Politics. You can hear more from state, local, and federal lawmakers each and every Sunday morning on WOWK-TV in Charleston, WBOY-TV in Clarksburg, WDVM in the Eastern Panhandle, WTRF in Wheeling, and WVNS in Beckley. 
You can also find a new episode of the Inside West Virginia Politics podcast right here on this feed every Monday morning. If you like the show, make sure to leave a review on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever else you listen to podcasts. Inside West Virginia Politics is a Star Media Group production. Hosted and managed by Mark Curtis. Produced and edited by Stephen F. Hoffman III, John Bobango, Stephen Shaw, Craig Poole, Rick Johnson, and Micah J. Carpenter. Inside West Virginia Politics is recorded and edited inside the studios of WOWK-TV in Charleston, West Virginia. All rights reserved.